Can you be careful? Taking a big space truck with a bunch of strangers across a diamond planet called Midnight? What could possibly go wrong? It's moving. It's showing the door! There is no it. Just tell me what the hell it is! Down! We're going to get out of this, then you need me! Oh, you're so special. I'm sorry, they've been reduced to dust. Throw him out! Come on! Just do it! Throw him out! Two people are dead! Don't make it a third! It's coming for me! It's coming for me! Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and since I've been sitting here for three takes wanting to make a joke about midnight, I'm just going to make a joke and say we're recording, but it is not midnight. So I finally got that introduction out of the way. And Not yet it isn't. Not yet. Not yet. Because you know why it's not yet out of the way? I haven't introduced Lee Shackelford and Clarence Brown. Lee, how are you? I'm well, sir. Very well, very well indeed. Good deal. So what's been going on with you lately? I think you've had some fun times over the last week. Am I correct in that? I have, yeah. I got to go to Chicago with my lovely wife and uh, see a show there. And um, I've had the uh, relativity scripts have gone out and I'm getting feedback from, from people about that, which is great. People are calling me abusive names, which is what I was hoping for. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's, it's been, uh, yeah, good times all around. Clarence Brown, my friend, how are you? Yo, 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 I'm doing good, man. Doing good. And as always, happy to be on another episode of Discussing Who, man. Well, I am always happy to have you on. So what's been going on with you? So what have I been up to? Oh, man, I haven't been writing any scripts, but I have been trying to finish off a speech slash presentation that I'm trying to complete uh, and get ready for Nerd Night Memphis on the 28th of this month. And I don't know the exact venue. I need to look it up, but it's in Memphis. It's Nerd Night Memphis. You can go to their website. And I'm going to be doing a presentation on dealing with toxic fandom in the Star Trek universe. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I'm interested. Cool. Yeah. You know, key us in, share it, tell us about it, and let us know what's going on. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, gentlemen, I have some news. So, my question to you is, do you have any news? Because I have two things of news to go over. Yeah, I, I hope we're going to talk about HBO because I, 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 I read this and just said, oh, no, no. But sure. I, I really don't understand the whole uh, thing. So, All right. So, HBO – that is, um, yeah, I know Game of Thrones. A lot of people didn't like the ending. I just don't understand. I mean, they were like totally, um, just, you know, brain dead over Game of Thrones. So is that what you were thinking about? Yeah, I guess that was it. So moving on to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like to share HBO of what was going on or what will be going on in oh, HBO? No, I was hoping you would because I, I really don't have a sufficient grip of the facts here. I, mm-hmm. I is it is it the gist of it is that the show is just moving from um, Amazon Prime over to HBO? Well, it may be as simple as that, but yeah. which, which is interesting because A, I already have Amazon Prime and uh-huh. B, I'm kind of liking the fact that Doctor Who has been on Amazon Prime. Yes. But C 
does that not give HBO's audience Doctor Who, which in effect might give a more, I don't know, greater audience for more than Amazon. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I tend to agree with Leo on this one. Um, of course, HBO is in a lot of homes, but if anything, I think the audience is probably going to be less. And we got to think like before this, it was on Netflix before it moved on to Amazon. So I think they're just going where the money is. Of course. But, um, and iTunes has been carrying the episodes in America as well. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's supposed to happen with that. But for me, it just means that I'm, I'm not going to have Doctor Who. That just, that's. (laughs) That's just what it means because I don't have BBC America and I don't like watching the show on BBC America anyway because uh, they cut it up. Yeah, and if it's not on iTunes and Amazon Prime, then it's then all they're telling me is that I'm going to have to buy yet another service just so I can see Doctor Who. Oh, man. And Picard. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that – and I think this is an, an episode of Discussing Comics uh, – our sister podcast to, to really get into it because I think it's worth getting into, but it goes back to, you know, where do you cut the cord, so to speak, or draw the line as to how many virtual avenues that you want to pursue your content? Yeah. I mean, and I, it's not all of that nothing thing in my opinion. My opinion, just get the one you want when you want it and then dump it when you're done. As I certainly did when Game of Thrones ended after it's what seven episodes this season. So I don't, you know, I hate that it's moving from a broader platform to what I feel kind of is a more, uh, maybe focus and constrained platform, but they are, um, now do we know if this is going to HBO Max or is it going to regular HBO? No, because it, HBO, it'll be HBO Max. Okay. Well, that's totally different because Lee, I don't know if you knew this, but HBO, HBO Max is going to include everything on Hulu. And I hope I'm getting this right because I'm spouting this off, off, off of memory here. Everything on Hulu, um, as well as the HBO shows and also the Disney Plus is going to be a part of it. It's kind of big. <laughs> that is, that's kind of big, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and if I'm not mistaken, too, and see, I wasn't sure about Disney Plus, but I'm not surprised on that. But on the flip of that, whoa, 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 Disney Plus is going to be, is it, is it going to be, no, it's not going to be in the Turner media. Uh, no, Disney Plus is its own service unto itself. But uh, I think they're tying it in somehow to DC uh, Universe is going to be in Warner Media's platform. That's it. Mm-hmm. Got you. But back to Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that is, ex- I think it's exciting in a way simply because there is an audience that maybe Doctor Who has not reached before in the HBO and the HBO Max. And who knows, we may all of us be subscribing because there may be something so fantastic from HBO Max that Lee says, I'm going to bite the bullet and get HBO Max. Who knows? Mm. Mm. Mm, maybe. Yes, I don't. <laughs> See, or could it be by that time, all of the people who have watched Relativity's final episodes have just gone to your Patreon account and dedicated so much funds to your Patreon account at patreon.com slash relativity that you're like, you know what? I've got to go get HBO Max now. Maybe. Yeah. And, and, and before we move on, I'll just say I might be wrong about the Disney Plus because I don't see why they would partner with HBO and I can't find anything. I think I heard that somewhere else. So scratch that part off. It makes it a little less appealing now. So <laughs> be that as it may. <laughs> well, one of them has ESPN uh, 
you're tied to it. I just don't know which one. Too many streaming services. Um, And, you know, it's funny. I was just talking with somebody about this the other day, that back in the early days of cable, so many of us were saying, you know what we really need is an a la carte service where you would just pay for the channels that you want. And here we are, and we're all realizing why we didn't have that to start with, because it's very complicated and very expensive. Yeah. And I do think you have to get to a point where you just say, okay, it's going to be some good shows on television, and I'm just never going to see, and yeah. I'm going to be fine with it. <laughs> I did that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you said it best, Clarence. You you do yep. have to, you know, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. There's going to be a lot of stuff, and some of it you're going to see, and some of it you're not. I just never expected Doctor Who to be one of those shows that I was suddenly saying, wow, how badly do I want to see this? Oh, man. Yeah. <sighs> Unfortunately. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, so curiosity now is killing the cat. Lee... How far in advance, you know, do you purchase the episodes or do you, you know, like, do you get this full season or do you watch them streaming? Uh, I've been watching them, well, streaming. Um, I've been buying the package of the season from Amazon Prime. So whenever they post the episode, that's when I get it. Got you. So like, for instance, do you have season five, season six, season seven? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, 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 cool. Speaking of cool, 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 last Wednesday, I got to experience something that I've never seen before because I've never wanted to see a new episode of Doctor Who in theaters because I've always wanted to be home with closed captioning. But I went to see The End of Time in theaters, and wow, I loved it. Was it worthy of the big screen is, is what I'm going to say. Um, cause what I found with some of the other things that they bring to the phantom, is it phantom events? Yes. They, they don't always seem like they're, um, you know, worthy of the big screen. So how, how did you feel watching this, uh, in all its cinematic glory? Good question. I would say that something that was not shot in HD probably would have felt a little awkward, a little odd. I do say that it lived up well to the big screen. There were some things that I noticed in scenes and clarity that I never saw before. And I'll give you an example is with there's a scene at the very beginning where Wilf walks into a church and the detail was so good that I could see like the names on the plaques behind him because of it being blown up on the big screen. I don't think standard definition, of course, would have translated that well. I I thought it was good. Knowing the episode so well as I do, I'll be honest, I did get bored a little bit halfway in the middle, but as soon as I got bored, things picked back up and then we're into the finale part of the the finale. I loved seeing the regeneration. I thought that was so awesome. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts was the goodbye scene and the regeneration. So, yes, I, I thought it was money well spent and I had a good time. Awesome. All righty. So we are finished with the news. So I say if you have not seen Midnight, put us on pause. Go out. Watch the episode. Come back. Because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers. 
Spoilers. So the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Midnight. This episode was the 10th episode of the 2008 series of Doctor Who. It starred David Tennant as the 10th Doctor and Catherine Tate as Donna Noble. The episode aired on the 14th of June, 2008. So initial thoughts. Clarence, what say ye? Initial thoughts. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it's one of those episodes where, you know, they're not really going from set piece to set piece. It's pretty much in a stationary place, place the whole time. But I feel like it was enough uh, thrill and drama and mystery throughout the episode that kept it really fun. And also it feels like it would make a good like audio listen, you know, because because there's not a lot going on, you know, visually. I feel like it, it, it'll lend itself to being a good audio uh, audio listen as well. Oh, interesting. All right, Lee, what say ye? Uh, this, this is one of my very favorite episodes of all of Who, so I've been eager for us to get around to it. Um, it's, um, I just think it's it's thrilling and dazzling. And I, and I, I really admire it as a writer because I know the, the pressure that's always on a show like this to do what they call a bottle episode, which is just, which means to either you only use your standing sets or at least to keep it to one set. You know, on Star Trek, uh, in the original series and, and, and on Next Generation too, there was a, what can you do that just takes place on the Enterprise? Okay. For once, come on, you know, says mm-hmm. all the people who write the checks. And, uh, what are the standing sets for Doctor Who? It's just the interior of the TARDIS, you know? So, uh, <laughs> how do you do a bottle show for this series unless you, you get, uh, the doctor, into a situation where we're going to shut the door and nobody gets out until it's over. You you, you trap them in an elevator, so to speak. Yeah, this is a companion light episode, which is kind of unusual. And um, once again, Billy Piper has a screen credit because she's in it too. Because yeah. she was on the screen. Because she's on the screen again. Awesome Easter egg. Uh, another awesome Easter egg. But yeah, and and clearly she's saying Doctor, which is cool. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, so, but I, I love it. I just, I just love Midnight. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it. So considering the fact that you mentioned, you know, Billy Piper's face was in <laughs> a screen, I will say, considering what we said in our last episode that I was supposed to do, I will say at least Donna Noble's face was not in a noble. So there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's what, that's what mm-hmm. we said I would do for the, from the rest of the season. So I said it, Donna's, Noble's face and an oval. Okay. So, so it is a, a companion light episode. I, I thought that was very interesting. I don't really watch this episode that often. There's no reason why, because it, it was very good and very creepy. You know, yes. Very, yeah. very creepy. So overall, I, I really enjoyed it. But I want to hit on something, Lee, that you said. You made a reference to Star Trek and to any mm. of our discussing Trek fans, you know, that we are currently going through some of the Picard stories on discussing Trek. This particular episode, RTD said he took inspiration from an episode entitled Darmok, D-A-R-M-O-K. It comes from the fifth series, and it's the second episode of that series. Are either of you familiar with that episode? You're kidding, right? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I'm really serious. Darmok. Oh, oh, okay. 
it's like if you stop people on the street who know Next Generation and you tell them and you ask them, describe an episode of Next Generation, they will either reference the inner light or Darmok. All right. So, so, so briefly tell us about (laughs) Darmok. About Darmok? One of the most brilliant conceits of the whole series, because we've established the universal translator, it means that everywhere you go, you'll be able to talk to anybody, right? But Picard finds himself in a situation where he ha- he abs- his life depends on being able to communicate with somebody, but in their culture, they speak entirely in metaphor. Yeah. So, so, and, and if you don't know the references, if you don't know the stories that they're alluding to, it's hopeless. Unless you can start to sort of suss out the gist of it, uh, in context. So that's the challenge for Picard is to try to understand what this other person's cultural history has been that leads him to this moment of saying these strange things that he's saying. It's, it's brilliant. It's an absolutely masterful script. Um, yeah, I have a t-shirt that says, uh, you know, um, yeah, at uh, that Tanagra, you know, Moonshaka when the walls fell and it's got all the, the sayings on it. So. Yeah, it's a lot of t-shirts with this episode referenced yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I do see how it can loosely relate to, you know, what we're seeing here because this is very much an episode about communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the lack thereof, I guess. <laughs> I thought what you guys would see in it is The Walking Dead. Okay. Hmm. So help me there. I, I, well, it's not about the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> right. True, but, um, but I mean, there is a monster on, uh, uh, in in yeah. the in the shuttle with them, but that ain't about. That's not who's about to kill them. It's but, it's it, everybody else in the. I love that. In the train. that yeah, that is very good. I love that. Also, like uh, I guess you could even reference like demons of the Punjab. You know, you have this crowd, and really, the crowd is the enemy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and, and are these grim comments on human nature? Is that because, because I, I love the casting of this episode. There's good old David Troughton for one, for one and, uh, and Leslie Sharp. And I want to come back to talking about Leslie Sharp, but everybody in there, they're just such regular folks. They're people that you would expect to see if you're on a tour bus or whatever, if you've ever been in these kind of situations, these are the people who are going to be on the train with you. You, you know, this is going to happen. And yeah. before it's over, <laughs> you've learned what the deepest, darkest shadows of these people are. And the question then is, is that what would happen if I was in that situation? Would, would I, would I learn that this is what the other people in this subway car with me, that they're ready to, to kill me if they think it's, it, it's what's going to keep them safe. Well, yeah, is it? <laughs> and, and I think, I think that's part of the genius and why this is a BAFTA winning script. Um, is because uh, RTD really raises the question, and I think in a very convincing way. Is this who we are? Really? Mm. Well, it, it's, it's always a fine line between, I guess, the need of the many versus where do your morals uh, lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we can't necess- necessarily say that, that it was the wrong decision if we think this person or is highly likely that this person is possessed um, by this entity that we don't really know much about, but, but where do your morals really fall in that equation of, of, of what you might have to do to eliminate this threat? Yeah. Mm. No, that is a very Star Trek question because, because um, uh, uh, Picard usually has the doctor's answer here. It's like, Hey, wait, wait a minute. Can we at least talk to these people before we start shooting? (laughs) You know, that's always his, 
his thing. And uh, I, to me, it, it, it feels like an evolution of, um, of popular culture because, you know, I'm a big fan of um, science fiction fantasy films from, you know, throughout cinema history, starting with silent films. And you, you see films from, um, I'm going to say the 50s and 60s, where we'll encounter an alien. We, you know, we're, we're explorers. We encounter an alien life form, and we pull out our guns and shoot it. It's our first <laughs> impulse. And I, I always want to say, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, in King Kong, they land on Skull Island and they see they see a Stegosaurus and they shoot it in the head until it's dead. And <laughs> all of us dinosaur fans are going, well, that's a vegetarian. <laughs> and. I, yeah. I hope you guys are happy because you <laughs> you just killed a living stegosaurus, you yeah. idiot. You know, <laughs> I, but you know that's that's what you do. Hey, look, look at that thing! Blam, blam, blam. Oh, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> you know, but isn't that just how society is in general? And you know, I think Clarence, you made the comment a minute ago. Is you know something like is that? A, I think you know about how Americans are, but that's. Just, I think how society is, you know, we, we have our guns, we have our, we've got to be the ones in control. Cause I think it's more a control thing. You see the, um, you know, you see the dinosaur. Well, I'm not, the dinosaur is bigger than me. So I got to shoot it to show, you know, look, I am man, hear me roar. I guess, <laughs> you know, in this episode, Dee Dee says, all I know is I want to go home. I want to be safe. And I thought, I thought that that's putting the finger right on it. When the day is done, that's what we want. We just want to be safe. But, and, but the doctor's argument is you, we're not making things any better by (laughs) decide, by by (laughs) suddenly having, you know, deciding by fiat that one of us is going to get tossed out of the ship, you know? Uh, But, but let me say this. While I agree that at the end of the day, our human nature says, that we ultimately want to be safe at the end. I do think that there is enough testosterone in the human nature that you do have to have the explosions, the guns, the violence or whatever, because that on some level, I think we crave it to some degree. Well, or you wouldn't have all these blockbusters with blowing up and whatever. And if Nicole was here, she'd say, you said the magic word because all the, the half of the planet doesn't have any testosterone at all, do they? <laughs> They're saying, and there's your problem right there. Yeah. There you go. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah. before we move on, uh, let me comment on this. You know, we were, we're talking about the story that we're seeing from the perspective of the passengers. I want to comment real quick on the perspective of the doctor or the doctor being there. And I think this is an interesting examination of having the doctor in a situation without a companion and the doctor do what the doctor does, but you don't have that human companion that relates him to others. And I am wondering as I'm watching if Donna, if Rose, if Martha, if fill-in-the-blank companion were there, would they act as a buffer not to stop him, but as a buffer to save him? Yeah. Yeah, I, I very much think so. And, and watching it this time around, it, it struck me that RTD has got to figure out a way for Donna to not be there for us to get to this point at the end of the story, at the, in near, nearing the climax, where it looks like they're going to throw the doctor out. Because 
either Donna would not stand for that and she'd take them all on or she'd have to turn on him too. And we don't want that either. Yeah. So which one of your, or which one of the passengers were your most favorite? Which one did you like the best? And Clarence, why don't you take that one first? Oh, that is easy. D was awesome. D was freaking awesome. <laughs> um, very much the underappreciated geek slash nerd in, in the group, you know, always ready to do a quick fact to help out the group or some comment, some very smart comment on what's going on. I really love their character. And, you know, it wasn't, she kind of had it rough in a sense, though, while I felt her and the professor had a good chemistry, it, there w- did come to a certain point where the professor was like, you know, shut up, you know, <laughs> I, I, I got this, Dee Dee, you're, you're, you're nothing, you know, and, um, I really loved her in this episode, uh, to be that scientific sounding board and also sort of the voice of reason in a, in a way. Cause, cause the professor should have also been that, but it got to a point where he was going along with the crowd as well. So I loved her in this episode. I thought she was a lot of fun. All right. Lee, what about you? Oh boy. I love them all. Uh, in their own different ways, uh, even when they're being awful. I, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by favorite. <laughs> well, well, which one, <laughs> because, which one know, who, if you had – okay, let me ask it this way. Yeah. If you could save one of them, which one would you have saved? <laughs> if I could only save one? Yeah, I would probably go for Dee Dee also, yeah, uh, for all the reasons uh, that uh, Clarence mentioned. Um, she, she does – it does take longer for her to, to break down to um, – Lord of the Flies territory uh, than, than any of the others. Jethro digs in because he's used to uh, opposing the crowd, particularly his parents. And so I, I, I love that there's this heartbreaking moment where he joins the crowd and the doctor says, oh, Jethro, yeah. not you. Yeah, he, was and he knew he knew he was going to be able to count on him. Yeah. But um, but and he's very good as well in this episode. I, I agree. I liked him as well. Yeah. And you know, I, I never, I never watched Merlin. So I don't, I, I guess I'm not having the reaction that a lot of other people would have of watching this saying, Hey, that's Merlin. <laughs> Neither have <laughs> I. Yeah. But, I um, did watch the first series of Merlin. Didn't yeah. watch the, the, the others, but Clarence, you and I watched a show called humans that he oh, yes. was also on. And no. I didn't remember he was on humans until I was reading about him. And I was like, oh, that's who that is. That's why he looked really, really familiar. Yeah, I'm trying to remember him on humans. I, I can't even remember which character he was. His character was the one that was not like the others. He was semi without getting the, any spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Semi somebody. <laughs> yeah. That was, okay. Yeah. He was awesome in this series, actually. Yes, that very good. Yeah. I would say to what both of you said about your favorites. And I agree with his character. When I saw him walk on board before I realized who the actor was, I was thinking, Oh, well, you know, he's just going to be your typical teenager rebellion. And even in that brief time, he portrayed and RTD wrote a lot of layers to the character. And I thought that was good. Very, very good. It's what RTD does best. I always think I, I know there are people who disagree with me, but I, I always think that he, he, he's never content with a minor character. He always wants these people to, to be nuanced and interesting in some way that it'd be easy to overlook. And he just doesn't do that. Um, 
And, and it, while we're talking about actors, we, we got to talk about Leslie Sharp, who is somebody that I, um, my wife and I have both enjoyed on the TV series Scott and Bailey, where she's um, Janet Scott. But before that, she was Sky. This amazing <laughs> episode where I would I would just love to know what the rehearsal process was w- with her working with David Tennant, because I was watching when I was watching it again this time, I was looking for all the the camera tricks, the things you can do where you're, you're cutting around the fact that she's talking with other people. But there is that long shot of the two of them basically nose to nose saying all of their lines, including about 15 digits of the value of pi. Yeah. Perfectly in sync with one another. And I've, I've heard, well, I've read David Tennant say that that was the hardest thing that he's, that he's ever did as playing this role. Because he had to remember that string of numbers, and she had to remember it the same way. But when they when they tape that, of course, he has to say it, and she's saying it at the same time, one digit off. Oh God! Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, I, imagine, my right? Head. <laughs> <laughs> so he he has to be listening to her as an actor, but he also has to not listen to her so that he can keep saying this long string of numbers. That he remembers. So I would hope somewhere behind each of them that we could not see as it was being recorded that those string of numbers is somewhere written so that they can at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Now there, there are a couple of scenes as I understand it where they, they did have teleprompters that they could look at, but in, in that whole sequence, um, they're in the shot together and you can tell it's very important. They're making eye contact with each other. Wow. Yeah. So there's nothing to read except each other's faces. And I just think it's fantastic. And and I wanted to shout out here, as long as we're talking about it, that we talk about this episode and the fact that uh, Russell T. Davies won the the best screenwriter BAFTA that year. Among the other BAFTA winners that year for this episode are Julian Hayworth, Tim Ricketts, Paul McFadden, and Paul Jeffries. Love you guys. Those are the sound engineers for Doctor Who at the time. And their job for this episode was to take all those little pieces of dialogue and have Leslie Sharp in the studio whenever she's not on camera record those lines of dialogue exactly the way the other people in the show are saying them so that they can layer them in on top of every single thing that the other people are saying. Brilliant. Yeah. Once you know that and you listen to it again during that whole thing where, where the, the she is talking in chorus with everybody else Every everything that everybody says is a chord, you know, because it's their voice and her voice saying exactly the same thing in the same way. It's just it, all of us who have done any audio editing at all know what a mind blowing task this was. So these four guys and they want a BAFTA for it. <laughs> yeah. And plus, I've never heard any other characters say things in, in unison like that. You know, I've never, you know, no audience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask you, let, you know, let's, let, let's back out to reality for a second and, <laughs> and ask you guys the question. Is he taking, he being RTD, taking a cue from the Moffat playbook and taking something that maybe doesn't scare us or so to speak, but take something that might irritate us as a human being? Do you guys mind or does it bother you to have somebody repeat what you say? Mm. 
It it does uh, definitely bothers me, but I think what's brilliant here is how it transitions. And I, you know, a, a brilliant thing about the episode, it goes from repeating to unison, and then it flips the other way around. Yeah. I, I just thought that concept unto itself was something pretty, you know, well freaking done in this episode because I mean you you feel it when it starts to transfer and go the other way around. It feels like it's. Uh, the way they, I don't know how to put this, the way they do it, for lack of better words, <laughs> the way it's portrayed in this episode uh, just makes it feel so rich and so real. And I feel like I'm a passenger in that that cabin. Right. That, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, crap. Something's going Exactly. <laughs> At the moment where she gets just a fraction of a second ahead of him, <sighs> you could feel it in the pit of your stomach. It's like, oh, what, huh? Uh oh! <laughs> yes, we had the same reaction that yeah, the passengers did. Like, what? Ooh, ooh that, okay, that can't be good. <laughs> oh man, brilliant so, concept! It really is. It's a. It's just an amazing idea. So yeah, uh, yeah. Because I think it's human nature. I mean, you know, there's. I, I can deal with the repeating for a, for a moment, but when my mind says, "Oh, stop repeating me." Then I get irritated if somebody continues it and, and et cetera and so forth. And I can tell how that could creep somebody out, especially when it's not at I'm repeating, I'm simultaneous. And then when you get to that second, <laughs> I'm a second ahead. Yes, yeah. th- that is creepy. Yeah. So, repeating things, repeating everything that somebody says is a favorite pastime of kids. <laughs> You know, who are being annoying, you know. I know you are, boy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the, the, the bad guy for the episode. And I, the bad guy was personified as the, this last Sylvester character, but that wasn't the bad guy. That was a victim of what the bad guy was. What do you guys think of the bad guy or the bad lady or the bad thing or whatever? <laughs> bad it is? thing, yeah. Curious. What did you guys it's think? A, it is, as far as I know, it is the only time in the whole, all of Doctor Who where we, we don't end up recognizing it. The doctor doesn't give it a name. He doesn't say, Oh, I know what this is. It's a, he doesn't know. And we don't find out either. It just, it is what it is. In that little wrap up at the end, um, Donna says, um, So is it still out there? And the doctor just sort of cuts his eyes away. He doesn't know. Mm. But doesn't that in turn make it even more, and I keep going back to this word, creepy? Yeah. Yeah. But do we even know if it meant any harm? Mm. It it intended harm, didn't it? Well, they said that that it, he, she, (laughs) depending on who was being inhabited, they said he killed the the pilot and the mechanic. But – I'm not sure that's what happened, but we knew that they were killed by the light. But hmm. yeah, the whole, the whole, the whole front end of the, the, the vessels torn off. It, it has that kind of power. Mm. Well, but, we don't but, know but what the thing of, is. Yeah. And it, or, or really how it got, well, it got inside when they opened the door, but yeah, but it's, it's invisible, we guess. And it can move from one person's mind to another. I don't know. It certainly appears malevolent at the end when, when, um, let's say Sharp's character, where she's, she's still speaking. She's clearly still speaking for it while the doctor is uh, helpless. So, yeah. Mm. And 
And it all goes back to that, you know, back to Star Trek first contact, you know, mm. that from the very beginning, I forget who it was that first knocked on the door, but when it repeated the same amount of knocks, yeah. and then Doc said, oh, you know, the doctor tries it too and it works. It just freaks you out because, you know, we're told all the things that nothing can live out here. You know, they've chosen to put this resort on this desolate planet where nothing can survive, supposedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet and still there's something out here, you know, that is intelligent. And, and, and what are we going to do with that? And we obviously see what happens. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if it really destroyed the front of the ship vessel cabin, but, uh, the episode sure made it seem that way to me, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What about if you took it from the point of view as whatever this thing was or this being or entity was? What if we were the dinosaurs? What if we were King Kong in this situation? What if we were filling the blank of all the times when you have these movies that we've seen that we were referencing earlier when we have to go and the first thing we do is shoot the, you know, vegetarian dinosaur in the head? <laughs> right. You know, we're the invaders per se. Yes, exactly. Right. And so therefore this, whatever it was, may have just been protecting its children, maybe. And we're seeing it as malevolent. I mean, you know, as something bad, it may, its intent may have been, I'm protecting my offsprings. I'm protecting my city, whatever the case, but it's our perspective. But, but from the other and the, beauty of this episode is we don't know that's yeah. it and we're back to original star trek again aren't we <laughs> yeah so yeah um that thing's been killing my men and you've destroyed thousands of her eggs what <laughs> <laughs> yep they they did go off course on their travels this time so yep that's it's right. a different route yeah they got into this uh this life forms territory so i i, I don't know it, it doesn't justify you know we we don't we don't feel like that means well, it's okay. We'll come and kill our people then. But, but still, it it might offer an explanation for what's going on. Right. Yeah, and, and and the doctor he he's willing to go with that. He is trying yeah. everything he can to make contact and reason with this being. But um, it gets to the point where I it maybe not clearly stated in the episode, but it gets to the point where even I believe the doctors had enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. The there is a yeah, there is a line. Yeah. Think about this too. He uses the sonic screwdriver to, um, as a remote control. He turns <laughs> all the, the entertainment yeah. systems off. And that's a really about it. Um, the sonic screwdriver is not helpful to him for the rest of this. And if I'm DB is to be believed, and I think this is right, apart from that, that, uh, classic series where the fourth doctor has the time ring and we're, uh, gen- like in Genesis, the Daleks and, uh, so on. This is well. This is certainly the first time in Classic Who where we don't see the TARDIS. So mm. the Doctor has what he's got is I'm clever. Yeah. Oh, so arrogant. But he was right. <laughs> he's right. But he made the mistake of saying that, forgetting that that's an insult <laughs> to everybody yeah. else. So what, what he's effectively said is because I'm smarter than everybody else here, and you should all shut up. Mm. And that didn't go well. Mm. Um, so I have a. Um, bit of trivia for you. You are correct in, mm. in re- regards to Genesis of the Daleks was the uh, episode in 1975. That was the last time 
that the TARDIS was not featured until the new series. But name me two episodes out of New Who where hmm. we did not have the TARDIS featured. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Or where maybe we didn't we didn't go inside or something no, like that. The, the, no, the TARDIS oh, itself you? was not seen at all. Oh, not seen at all. Because I was thinking this was the first time where, the, where we had an, a story where we just hadn't seen it. Um, boy, I don't know. Mm, uh, Clarence, you have any ideas? And uh, and, and then I'm going to give you guys a hint. I don't have a clue. All right. One of the episodes is from series 10. The other is from oh. series 11. Wow. So I'll give you yeah. a, a third hand. So, <laughs> you know, I, I want to make sure that you understand the complete lie of the land in case you might have a woman who falls to earth. Mm, of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, oh, we, don't we? We see it in the pre-roll. Uh, do we see her fall out of the TARDIS at the very beginning? Or no, 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 no. no, no we no, start with Ryan. We start right, with Ryan it's, it's on the, the Christmas special. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And um, we don't get to the TARDIS until um, yeah, the second episode. <laughs> the second episode. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. The woman who fell to earth doesn't have the TARDIS in it. It's and right. and the other one was yeah. the I think the second or third of the three part with the monks where the Doctor is blind, I believe. That's yeah. that's yeah. that's that one. So whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but so this is so. But so midnight is the first time since Genesis that Alex that we've done the story. Correct, the, correct, correct, correct. Interesting, very interesting. But but, but again, it, it's it's part of what I admire about this script. It is well, well. This is this is something I've always said about um about our comic book superheroes. Very often, I find uh, Bruce Wayne more interesting than Batman. Um, because I want to know what he what what he's capable of without all his toys, you know. And th- this kind of does the same thing. What is the Doctor like without without his magic wand and his magic box? Now he's in the situation doesn't even have one of his companions to lean on. And and the more he talks, the more the rest of the people <laughs> there uh, turn on him. Um, what's he going to do? <sighs> hmm. Uh, speaking of TARDIS. Uh, why didn't the doctor just take the TARDIS to see the Sapphire Waterfalls? <laughs> yeah, because then we wouldn't have a story. But <laughs> <laughs> but the in-canon explanation is that he wanted to take the ride with the, the regular blokes. He wanted to – Donna doesn't want to go because it's going to be so long. And I, I think the doctor wants to go because it's going to take a long time. And he very much is being social, yeah. which I found – a little weird, but it was cool. It was like a sort of montage in a sense. Oh yeah. The, doc- so, the doctor's mingling. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think that's why he wanted to go. I really do. It, that's the way it's played, the way it's written, the way it's played. And all these people are talking and he's listening. They like him because he's really listening to them. And I yeah. think that was his entire intent. I don't think he really cared about what he was going to see. He might have, but I think his idea was let's turn off all the entertainment and let's talk. Yeah. Commentary yeah. on smartphones, maybe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Even before, yeah. even in their, even when they were in their infancy. Well, <laughs> but, 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 but true nonetheless. Right. No, I mean, we, we've, we've always been this way. It's a, you know, I have a collection of, uh, of, um, newspaper cartoons from, uh, thirties and forties that that's actually, I got a lot of them, 
But I noticed that this sort of a meme through the 40s and 50s of gag cartoons is about um, uh, husbands and wives at the breakfast table and the wife trying to get the husband's attention while he's reading the newspaper. Because <laughs> he's got the newspaper up, you know, between them. And apparently that is the thing that people used to do. So, you know, we, we've been tuning each other out with our media. <laughs> yeah. For a long time before the electronics. Or, or even if it wasn't media, I can remember as a little kid when my parents would go on vacation, I would take a stack of comic books with me and sure. I would read them. Absolutely. You know, drive up there, drive back. And a lot of times wherever they were going, I was in the car reading comic books. Yeah. You know, so I want to talk about one other scene before we get to the end. Interesting that the hostess is the one who ultimately makes the sacrifice and saves everybody. It's not the doctor. The doctor is actually saved by her. So what did you guys think of that sacrifice that she made? It's really it's a surprise, isn't it? That we, we have we have dismissed her. We thought that she she may not be very good at her job. All she knows how to do is to keep saying what she's been trained to say. And she was dismissive of the doctor saying, Allons-y. But that's what saves him. Because she, then she hears Sky and the uh, the midnight creature say, Allons-y, molto bene. And she says, that's him. She has his voice. And she makes her decision largely on the strength of that. Yeah. It's a good callback. Yeah, it's great. And I, uh, the, the, the thing that struck me this time is that Sky is the one who says to her, you're, you're the hostess. You're the one who's supposed to do something. <laughs> and then later in the episode, she does something. <laughs> yeah. And she takes Sky with her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So do you guys have any other points that you wanted to bring up that we have not mentioned before we get into our favorite scene and our favorite quote? Yeah, I'll just mention again, like, uh, we talked about the doctor being social at the very beginning. Um, again, like by the end of the episode, they are turning on him. So a good, good, you know, position to flip that totally around to the end episode to where they're trying to throw him out. <laughs> and, you know, we get that again, that wonderful scene at the beginning where he's like socializing everybody. So I really love that. Um, other than that. I found it really weird. I may have mentioned this before. I found it really weird that a vacation spot slash planet is in such a desolate place. You know, it, it makes me second guess, you know, going to the moon and Mars, you know, like but life ain't supposed to be here. No, we're not supposed to be here. But yet in this most extreme of circumstances, we've chose chose to make it a retreat, you know, a, a shore leave, or <laughs> whatever you want to call yeah. it. It makes as much sense as building a gambling palace in the Nevada desert. Can't just say it. <laughs> so, Lee, what about you? You have anything else before we get into our favorite scene? Our favorite. I'm sorry, I'm hung up on that now. I'm, I'm, just, I'm still thinking about that because Clarence is right. That's completely stupid. And since we do it all the time, I wonder why? Why? You know. Sun City, Arizona is a whole city there that that has to have its water piped in yeah. from other places because there's no water there. Well, then what is Sun City doing there? Why? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Nope. I've, that's I've, I've talked way enough about this. I got to mention the the amazing sound editing of this episode. That's all for me. All right. So 
since this is such a favorite of yours, Lee, I'm going to let you go first and ask you favorite scene. Oh, no question that, uh, just that, that long shot of, um, the doctor and sky nose to nose saying the same thing, uh, in chorus. It's, uh, it's just spellbinding. And when I think about this episode, it's the first thing I think of. So what about y'all? Okay. Clarence, what say you? I agree. You have to, you have to give it up for the sky and doctor scene. It's, it's fabulous. Okay. So I did not realize how difficult that scene was to do until I learned that, that on this episode. So that being said, I would have said that had I've known that, but I had already written down a favorite scene and I'm going to stay with it, which is, I don't know, the one that just stuck with me the most was at the end when everybody is hearing from the outside, you know, we're about to board, you know, we're here, you're safe, we're going to take care of you. And the people inside are saying, but she sacrificed. Well, what's her name? And they do not know her name. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You know, and I think that was just a good reminder to all of us that these people that you may encounter that you don't even know who their name might be. They may, that five minutes that they took longer to check you out of a checkout or whatever. If you would have left five minutes earlier, who knows? You, it could have been like a turn left type situation. You might have been in a you car accident. You had to get that out, didn't you? You had, had to get to. that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> yeah. Push it in there. Force it in there. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it literally <laughs> came to me as I was saying it, and I was like, I can't resist. Oh, so, oh but seriously, you never know. And I just thought that, that was really, really a good tie-at or tie-in at the end to to say that. And I, and I thought that was very good. Yeah. Can I get an honorable mention real quick? Of course you can. What is um, it? Uh, the scene when the pilot or one of the two pilots sees something in the distance <laughs> that's super creepy. Super yeah. creepy. Yeah. As the shade is coming down so the others can't see it. <laughs> yes. But just just in general, you and a group of people and somebody sees something and no one else can see it. That's just so uh, freaking creepy, man. Ooh. That set up the episode for me. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but again, back to the brilliance of the episode that you, 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 even in that, you don't see it. You don't even see a yeah. shadow of it. Mm. That's right. Yeah, we don't see it. Yeah. So for our favorite quote, originally I didn't have a favorite quote, but my favorite quote's going to be, as an honorable mention, the scene that you saw, that you guys said was your favorite scene. I'm going to say the quote of doing the pie together is my favorite quote. <laughs> so, Lee, what say ye? What's your favorite quote? It just hit me this minute that we missed the opportunity to begin the podcast by saying, uh, good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and <laughs> variants thereof. And variants there are. That's a good oh. Yeah. <laughs> But so I do love that. But this is this is a weird one that uh, this this jumped out at me. I love that uh, Sky and the Doctor are eating together and they have a like a, a salad or something. And she says, "So what is this, chicken or beef?" And he looks at it on his fork and he says, "I think it's both." Yeah. I, I I like that because I have to wonder if that's a coincidence or if it's a reference to. One of my favorite films of all time to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Cause there's an identical moment of people eating a, a meal together in a, you know, a, a extraordinary setting. They're, they're on the moon and, uh, somebody's eating a sandwich. He says, what is this chicken? And the other one says something like that. Tastes the same anyway. <laughs> so 
you know, <laughs> that, that I just immediately thought of that, that moment in 2001. I thought, is that deliberate or? And you know what? I bet I know where they purchase those plated meals and sandwiches with yeah. their mystery meats. You want to, yeah. you have a guess? No. I, 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 I have a feeling that a they pun, might. I hope. Uh, say what now? <laughs> it's a pun, I hope. Oh, yeah, it is. So I have a feeling that they purchase it from Gated Galaxies. Just, gated Galaxies. Yeah. If you don't know what the food is, it probably <sighs> came from Gated Galaxies. <laughs> the sandwiches are radioactive. Yes. yes, we're back to talking about the Oz9 podcast. Yes. So go check it out, Oz9.com. <laughs> so, final review, guys. And I'll I'll start. I love this episode. I had a lot of fun with it. It was one that I said before that I remembered, and I don't know why I haven't watched it more. Maybe just did not had time. Maybe it didn't have River Song in it. Who knows? But regardless, mm-hmm. I loved it, and I'm going to give it a 4.95. And I don't know why, but I, I really enjoyed it. But So 4.95. Clarence, what say ye? I'm going to go with a 4.9. Um, the only reason that it doesn't get a 5 is that I would like to see a little bit more Donna knowing what's going to happen pretty soon here. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, 4.9. <laughs> okay. Lee, what say you? It gets a solid 5 for me because um, um, because this is the first uh, Doctor Who that I ever remember watching and thinking, where can I get a hand, get my hands on this script? Because I want to see this on paper. And, uh, and lo and behold, the, I think the only time they've done this, um, the, the BBC published the scripts for this season. So I was able to, to get it, uh, licensed and authorized. And, uh, it is a marvel to read, to read this and just imagine somebody doing it. So anyway, five out of five from me. Awesome. 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 So the final question of the night has to be, if you were to be found on the internet and you wanted to let people know how to find you, how would they do that? And I'm going to point that back to you, Lee. How would they do that if they wanted to find you on the internet? I will continue to point people towards relativitypodcast.com, where right now you'll find a fascinating series of interviews, I think, that I'm conducting with a number of interesting people, including Clarence and Kyle. And if you haven't heard that one, you need to go back and listen to it because it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. So, Clarence, what about you? What, Where else might you be found on the Internet? I'll just direct people to check out our group, which is on Facebook. Just search for Discussing Network and join in on the conversation. We would love to chat with you there. Yeah. All righty. So, since we mentioned Star Trek so many times in this episode, I think it would be wildly appropriate to say if you are a fan of Star Trek or if you're a fan of comic books, you already know where to find Discussing Who, but go to DiscussingNetwork.com. You can find our Discussing Trek podcast as well as Discussing Comics podcast. So, for all three of us, to anyone and everyone listening... Thank you for joining us. We're glad that you're here. Be sure and tell a friend about the podcast. Let others know about all the Discussing Network podcast. We thank you, and we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. 
Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new audio. Audible subscription, and you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song, and they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant, the list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?